All discussion during the Invest Wisely program is intended for informational and educational purposes. It is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. We do not offer tax, accounting, or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor before making any decision that could affect your tax or legal situation. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. You should carefully consider investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of any investment before investing. Diversification and asset allocation do not guarantee a profit or guarantee against loss. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC. And welcome once again to Invest Wisely. The expert with us is Walt Sukera, who is managing partner of Akron Wealth Advisors, based in the Fairlawn West office of R.W. Barrett & Company at 3560 West Market Street in Fairlawn. Now, he's live with us on the live line. So if you have any questions this half hour about your investments, about stocks, about buying and selling stocks, about how Akron Wealth Advisors invest their clients' money in individual stock portfolios, please call us, 330-673-1234. And outside of Akron and on WNR.com from anywhere, 800-669-4100. Well, first of all, Walt, uh, once again, an, another novel, novel week on Wall Street. Uh, everything seems to be upside down, and so does the, uh, the results of Wall Street. It turns out that the, the worst piece of economic news since the Depression today actually helped Wall Street do better. How did that work, Walt? <laughs> yeah, good question, Bob. Hey, real quick, though, I heard you use a word you said your mom or your grandma used uh, to explain things being out of sorts. Clickus crocus, yes. <laughs> okay. I'm going to write that one down. That might be one I use this week. Um, yeah, we're, we definitely have been out of sorts this year. And um, I think everything from the markets to the weather. And, uh, you know, it's a Mother's Day out there. I want to start off by wishing everyone a happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, moms do a, a lot of good in the world. And I think it's a great day for us to make sure we take time to recognize that. Um, as far as the markets go, Bob, last week, you know, the, the labor market, you know, we were expecting a really bad number, and we saw it. Uh, the April unemployment report was uh, was as bad as expected. Uh, we saw, you know, 20.5 million job losses. Uh, the official unemployment rate uh, went up to 14.7%. And if you look at the true unemployment rate, which we look at the U6 number, which to us, is, is kind of a better estimate of unemployment because it also considers underemployed workers. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people that have pride uh, go back out there and take jobs sometimes, and they're considered working, but, you know, they, they came from jobs that were, you know, much higher income and, and better. So that U6 number is probably closer to 22.8%. Um, and this is one of the worst readings we've seen since the Great Depression. Uh, and again, we saw a, a kind of a disconnect uh, with Wall Street. You know, the market last week, the Dow Jones finished up 608 points, 2.6% up for the week. Uh, the S&P was up 3.5%, and the NASDAQ actually was up 6%. So if we look at those year-to-date numbers, we see the Dow is down 14.7%. Uh, the NASDAQ went into positive territory at 1.7% on the positive side, and, and the S&P is off about 9.3%. Uh, rates still remain really low. If you look at the Treasury rates, uh, you know, we have a two-year Treasury at 0.14%, a five-year 03 
a 10-year at 0.68 and a 30-year at 1.39. And for us, you know, we continue to spend a lot of time doing what we do, Bob, with our discipline, which is look at companies, look at reality, look at how we have our clients' monies invested. And, um, you know, even though there's a lot of bad news out there, you know, there's optimism, um, you know, the uncertainty is still there. However, you know, there's there's promise and, uh you know, whenever there's those, there's there's opportunities to invest, and, and we continue to do so. Now, what about uh, individual companies? Is anybody reporting anything last week that also uh, uh, might have impacted the market? Oh, yeah, Bob. We saw a tremendous amount of reports last week. Um, you know, just to mention some, you know, Disney was one that reported, obviously, and, uh, you know, that was, that was going to be one that everybody paid attention to. Obviously, they've been impacted greatly. Um, from the fact that they have their parks and obviously cruise lines and things that, you know, we knew we were going to see some serious slowdown. Um, you know, Disney's numbers looked, um, you know, okay on the revenue side because you have to remember they had that acquisition of 21st Century Fox, so their their revenue number actually looked pretty good. Uh, but their earnings number was, was not good at all. You know, they saw a 63% drop in, uh, in earnings. Uh, we saw... If you looked, if you broke down the segments in the report, which we spend time listening to these reports and, you know, going back over the, the insights and the data that they report, um, if you look at the parks and, and the cruise lines, you know, those fell by almost 10%. That's $5.5 billion of a revenue shortfall. Um, their Div- Disney Plus was definitely a, a positive, um, as they saw their subscribers hit $54.5 million. And, 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 Bob, you know, really that's the trend we see. We see companies like, you know, Activision, uh, which we mentioned, um, you know, report good earnings. Obviously, they're the company, the gaming company that has those impressive titles out there like World of War- Warcraft and Call of Duty. Uh, we saw Etsy, which is the uh, online retailer, uh, a lot of handmade goods and vintage items and crafted goods. They had a big spike in sales due to a lot of selling of masks, um, a lot of new sellers on there taking advantage of uh, the opportunities that do exist in our economy. Uh, we saw companies like Peloton, uh, the home uh, exercise company that you know sells equipment and also subscription services so that you can exercise at home, uh, put up some good results. Uh, Match Group, uh, which owns, uh, you know, companies like Tinder, Match.com, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, um, all those 45 different brands where people can meet and date and talk online, uh, put up some good earnings. Uh, and then we we see companies like Disney and GM and, and, and companies that, you know, are a little bit more tied to uh, big purchases and economic cycles uh, struggle a little bit, you know, as, as they reported their earnings. Now, as you, as you mentioned, uh, earnings are, are, are down, as we kind of anticipated, but at the same time, as you also saw, talked about, the stock prices are, are rising. Now, does this impact the actual valuation of a company and this price-earnings ratio? It's a good question, Bob. You know, we, we do see prices, you know, coming back and, and actually getting pretty close to, you know, levels that were in the fall of last year. Um, and we see earnings continuing to drop. So when you look at valuation, you know, that – that no, that one valuation metric that we look at, the price earnings ratio, you know, when you have prices going up and earnings going down, that price earnings ratio is going to continue to go up. And we have one of the most expensive stock markets by that PE ratio of of really. It, you have to go back to uh, 1999, right before the tech bubble, when price earnings for the S and P 500 were at 26 times. Um, we're probably pretty close to 23 times. 
I think a lot of that has to do with the uncertainty and, you know, analysts ratcheting down earnings expectations, a lot of companies pulling guidance. But you, you can't really just close your eyes to it. You have to recognize, you know, there is a lot of extreme valuation. Some of the tech companies and the, the top 10 companies, you know, companies like Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and the, and the top 10 companies there in the S&P 500 are trading in almost 47 times earnings. Now, they've had a lot of good results, maybe to, to show that they're worth a little bit of a premium. Um, but I think, you know, discipline would tell us you have to pay attention to valuation. So again, we're talking to Walt Sakari, who's managing partner of Akron Wealth Advisors and Fairlawn. And time to shift over to Stock Talk. If you'd like to call and ask questions about specific stocks that maybe you own individually right now, or that you're looking at buying, or sectors that you are concerned about that maybe uh, they're going to be weak, or maybe they're going to actually be stronger than others, give us a call, 330-673-1234. Talk to Walt Sakari live. That's out of Akron, till free, 800 669 Again, Walt Sakira, managing partner of Akron Wealth Advisors, have been doing uh, stock investing for over 30 years and uh, finds it's the most intriguing time for investors uh, all over. And uh, once again, even in these kinds of times, you can still do uh, a lot of good in the market. So uh, again, Walt, individual stocks, uh, let's just talk about healthcare stocks. Now, obviously, health is the big deal now. Now, but that covers a wide variety of companies, everything from the pharmaceutical companies who are working on vaccines and treatments for, for the pandemic, uh, and also the, the hospital systems, the medical supply systems. There's a whole uh, panoply of companies that are considered healthcare stocks. In your opinion, how are these stocks been doing, and is this a place that people should maybe consider putting some money in? Absolutely, Bob. We, we definitely increased our exposure to healthcare this year. We've always had exposure in healthcare. Um, doing this for 30 years, there's some of the companies that I've liked the best over that 30-year uh, history. You know, I think pharmaceutical and, um, you know, drug companies, biotech companies, as you talked about, some of the managed healthcare providers, um, you know, they're they're leaders. Uh, we're, we're, we have a leading healthcare system in the United States, so it's always worth looking at that industry. I think there's a renewed interest because of the COVID-19 and the fact that it's been so in the news and people realize the importance of health uh, again. And, and, you know, for a long time, the, the medical healthcare industry has been kind of the beating ground of politics. Um, you know, it's an easy uh, political thing to go after and talk about excessive drug prices and so forth. But there's a reason why these prices exist, because, you know, these companies spend, uh, they hire you know, very intelligent people, the best of the best scientists, and they do a lot of R&D, and they put a lot of money into you know, figuring out how to make us healthy and, and help extend our lives. And, uh, you know, a lot of that has to play through the system. There has to be some kind of economic reward for that. So, uh, you know, we've been spending a lot of time looking at healthcare. I think, you know, there's 97 companies out there now that have experimental vaccines going on for the COVID-19. And, you know, and again, I think these types of headlines and, and when you follow and, yeah, you know, I think with COVID-19, you see the differences between anti-virals, you know, virals, vaccines, uh, indirect therapies, and, you know, it starts to make people a little bit more aware. And, and again, where there's awareness and interest, there's investment. Now, what are those prices running at right now as far as uh, some of the representative pharmaceutical companies? Are they considered good buys by you, or are they maybe a little too already overvalued because of their potential? Yeah, we own a handful, Bob. You know, we've owned Johnson & Johnson for a long time. Um, you know, we continue to be holders of Johnson & Johnson. So for holders who are buyers, in our opinion, we think, you know, the current price, there's still upside. Uh, we own Bristol-Myers Squibb, uh, which we talked about. Again, we bought that earlier this year. And, 
yeah, we continue to see some uh, upside with them. They're they're integrating a large acquisition of Celgene uh, that they they made last year. So that that company has some, in our opinion, some upside. Uh, we also have a, an investment in Medtronic, which is a. Uh, uh, instrumentation company, medical instrumentation company. So we still see value, and and even in our small mid cap portfolio, there's some smaller, um, you know, pharmaceutical biotech companies that we've been uh, looking at and and purchasing for that portfolio. So there's definitely opportunities out there. I think to get involved in healthcare and and to have investment. Let's take a call now for Walt Secura Stock Talk at three three zero six seven three one two three four. Good morning. You're on WNIR. Good morning to both of you. Go- uh, Walt, um, since the Fed has taken a lot of credit for the market recovery, do you think there's ever going to be a chance uh, that the Fed would be allowed to buy U.S.-owned equities? Now, both Janet Yellen and Steve Mnuchin have both called for this. What's your opinion on it? That's a really good question. I mean, I think you you got to go back to the mandate of the Federal Reserve, you know, since 1977. Uh, the Federal Reserve has operated under the mandate of Congress to uh, promote a couple goals. You know, they look for uh, maximum employment, uh, stable prices, uh, and they, they also are there to moderate long-term interest rates, uh, you know, to provide some controls on inflation. And uh, so I think that's really the mandate of the Fed. I think the Fed has become a little bit more involved and, and tied a little bit more towards fiscal policy. I think the expansion of the balance sheet and the QE and so forth allows them to do a lot more than they used to do. Um, They expanded their powers this year to be able to buy corporate bonds and and some exchange-traded funds, ETFs. So it it isn't a big leap to see that they might be given expanded powers if necessary uh, to to, look at purchasing stocks as well. Uh, That doesn't exist currently. And there's reasons for that, but, you know, who knows? I mean, we've seen a lot of things we thought we'd never see, and there's always a potential for that. Okay. I appreciate your answer. Thank you very much. And thank you for calling. 330-673-1234. Give us a call. Walt Secure can talk to you on Stock Talk and answer questions about investment, financing individual stocks, and uh, maybe help you on this uh, rather unusual time for for investors. Uh, Getting back to pharmaceutical companies, as you mentioned, nearly 100 companies are working on some sort of treatment or vaccine for COVID-19. If all things are being equal and if uh, luck holds, uh, likely one of those companies is going to hit pay dirt. Uh, they're going to find something that works. Maybe a couple of them will. At that point, how are they going to go about setting prices for the uh, treatments and for the for the vaccines? Is that going to be something that they're going to uh, uh, exploit, or do you think the companies will will reach out across the world and license this to other companies? And and again, what how are they going to determine the cost of this? Hey, Bob, it's fascinating when you look at how you know companies come up with pricing for drugs, and we've seen a lot of abuses of this. Um, it's a very complicated process. Uh, there's three entities that are typically involved. You know, the the drug manufacturers themselves, the the pharmacy benefit managers, and and obviously the insurers. And there's formulas and formulations that go into this. Obviously, if it's a new formulation, a new drug. Um, it's treating something blockbuster, something that needs to be treated. It, there's a lot more room for pricing uh, when it's an expanded therapy or there's other options, then it, it's it's different. But I was reading something recently on the Gilead, um, the remdesivir um, that they have that has shown some, again, this would be a, a, a drug that, an antiviral that has proven to have some maybe results with the COVID-19. Again, it's still in some testing, but 
there was, uh, you know, an article I read um, by somebody that follows this closely, and they said that two different models you could use. You could use a um, uh, basically a model that would look at the uh, the charge uh, for every treatment course based on um, a certain model, which would put it at four thousand four hundred and sixty dollars per treatment, and then another one that would be close to ten dollars per treatment. And again, it depends if you use the cost recovery pricing model or a cost effectiveness model. Um, so it's it's very interesting. Um, I think you know Gilead with the, the Remdesivir has basically um, donated their 140,000 treatment courses that they had to uh, help with the pandemic that's currently happening. Uh, the bottom line is if they if this is proven to be effective, it it could be possibly there's estimates a billion dollar addition. Uh, to Gilead, um, you know, as far as uh, p- potential revenue, and that's that's significant. Um, so again, companies, you know, do a lot to to get into the, you know, to where they need to be, and there is profitability uh, if if proven effective because of that, you know, those those three parties that have to kind of figure out how that pricing model works. As you mentioned, Walt, uh, the, uh, some of the companies have reported their results uh, last week, and that li- leaves us with a, a roster of companies that, as an investor, you may be looking at and uh, thinking that maybe some of these companies show more promise than others. Uh, once again, what are some of the companies that you've seen that uh, look like they could be a promising investment? Yeah, Bob, you know, we continue to like, um, you know, a lot of companies out there, depending on the model uh, that we're looking at, you know, in our core equity model. Uh, you know, we mentioned some of those healthcare companies. There's there's tech companies that we like as well. We continue to like, as we've we've talked about before. You know, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, those type of names. Um, you know, there's there's a company uh, that'll be reporting in June, which I'm interested to see, which is Brown Foreman. They're the big owner of Jack Daniels brand. Um, there there's a lot of uh, interesting statistics out there on alcohol sales. So. We'll pay attention to them. Uh, so there, there's a lot of companies with promise in our small mid-cap portfolio. You know, we mentioned things like Etsy and, and Match Group, um, a cybersecurity company like Fortinet. Uh, so there, there's a lot, depending on how we're investing, what risk return parameter that a client has or a prospect has, there's, there's lots of options that we still see uh, have attractive uh, long-term growth potential. And what about those vulnerable companies, as we mentioned earlier, Disney, that uh, could be uh, facing some trouble? Uh, Disney may suspend its dividend at some, some point. They've talked about that. What about other companies that you think are, are more vulnerable now than others? Yeah, I think, you know, you, you, you wonder about the, the leisure companies, uh, the travel companies. Uh, we, we mentioned, Bob, you know, there's a lot of belief that uh, entertainment companies, you know, as as the economy starts to open back up and people get a little bit of courage and head back out there, that uh, you know there there'll be maybe a continued growth pattern. But we'll have to wait and see. You know, those are I think the companies that are most vulnerable. Um, restaurant stocks, um, you know, those those types of companies are extremely vulnerable because, again, if behaviors change or if for some reason this. Uh, you know, COVID-19 is not really uh, under control, and we see a second wave, then those companies could be impacted uh, greatly. So I would say, you know, as an investor, you know, there's always time to, to put money in. Um, I, I would think those companies, if you're buying them, you got to have a, a longer-term viewpoint. you got to be thinking out there at least three to five years uh, when you put in a company that seems a little bit more vulnerable uh, in the current environment. Now, consumer behavior, once again, this is like a, like a test tube environment for something that hasn't happened in a, a century. Uh, what have we learned so far about consumers' 
uh, behavior during uh, during this pandemic. Well, we know consumers are pretty resilient, Bob, and um, it, it is interesting. I, t- I told you one of the big <laughs> insights that I saw this week is the percentage of alcohol growth um, in our in our you know in the United States. Um, with all the restaurants and bars being closed down, it was estimated that there'd have to be about a 22% growth uh, in alcohol to offset, you know, the lost drinking that was done out there in, in social environments. Uh, there was over 55% growth. Um, hard liquor is up over 32%. It's estimated wines up 28%. And an interesting seltzer uh, is up over 300%. Um, so, uh, you know, it'll be interesting, as I said, to see the trends. Um, online shopping we talked about, we definitely have seen, you know, a lot more people adopting that behavior. And uh, companies like Amazon and Etsy and so forth, it'll see, we'll see how those companies uh, really do as, as we go further into the recovery. And uh, But it seems like a lot of behavior has changed. And, again, that's something we really have to pay attention to with the consumption economy. Again, we, we keep emphasizing that 70% of our economy is consumer-driven. It's what you, I, the listeners do with our money. Uh, and we have to make sure that if we're investing money towards those types of sectors or industries, that we truly understand behavior and how ba- behavior is changing. Now, big-ticket items like uh, houses, cars, um, and we're told in our real estate segment that the housing market is still quite active and people are buying property. Uh, we see a lot of car ads in the, on TV and the newspapers. Are, you know, are there, you know, people, I don't know if they actually are buying the cars, but they're certainly advertising them. Uh, when we look at big-ticket items that usually require going somewhere and having some interaction with a, with a, a representative, what, is that, what does that market look like to you right now? Yeah, but I mean, it's interesting. GM did report, and they had, even though they had bad numbers, they were a lot better than expected. You know, their revenue was $32.7 billion for the last quarter. Uh, they had really strong SUV and truck demand. Um, you know, I think there's still purchasing going on. I, I think that, you know, Zillow reported this week that uh, there still, still seems to be a lot of interest in the housing markets. And, you know, I think people are still interested in moving forward and uh, where they have money and they have, the, you know, the ability to make those discretionary type of purchases. I think people are still willing to make them. And, uh, you know, auto companies have done a good job, you know, the 0% financing, the uh, the extended payment options, you know, where you don't have to make a payment for a few months. Those kinds of incentives definitely bring people to the showroom. And, uh, you know, so a lot of companies are doing what they need to do out there. They're being innovative. Uh, they're, they're marketing hard, and they're, they're continuing to try to drive things forward the best they can in this most challenging environment. Once again, Walt Sakira is our expert on Invest Wisely with Akron Wealth Advisors at the Fairlawn West office of R.W. Baird Company. They have invest their clients' money in individual stock portfolios that uh, have been working very well for them over many, many years. They also do other types of wealth management, including financial planning, investment banking, estate planning, trust and retirement planning, and, and many other things. So you can reach them locally in Fairlawn. Talk to Walt at 234-466-7476. They can be able to do business, as they say, completely virtually in this environment. So you can call them uh, to become a new client or to ask about uh, uh, some of the things they can offer you as a as a client. 234-466-7476 for Akron Wealth Advisors and Walt Secura. Now, Walt, you've been active, of course, as you do uh, with your portfolios, with your buying and selling over in this period of time. Uh, what are some of the, uh, uh, as you might say, some of the things that have uh, worked out well for, for you as a stock buyer and maybe some of the things that have not worked out as well as you thought they would? 
Yeah, Bob, I think a lot has worked out well for us. Um, but I think to be fair, you know, I, I was going to bring up a company that we had talked about a couple months ago, uh, Transdime, which is a, a Cleveland company, uh, just to give some balance to the listeners and make them understand that not everything goes well. Um, it, you know, we were following Transdime for quite a while. Again, they're kind of the advanced auto parts of the uh, airline industry. They sell uh, parts to a lot of the major airlines, as well as the original parts to companies like Boeing and Lockheed Martin and, and Raytheon. Um, this company was trading at $673 a share back in February. It fell pretty dramatically in March to $499. We made an investment. We, we've wanted to own this company for some time. Uh, we thought the company had fallen to a good level. It continued to fall, and we bought a little bit more, uh, $446 a share, and then the bottom fell out. Uh, because, you know, things got worse, and, and we got down to $225 a share. Uh, we were talking to our analysts, looking at our research, looking at the balance sheet of the company, and we decided to sell the stock. And, uh, you know, we took a pretty good loss on that one position. Uh, again, that's why we buy them in a portfolio. Sometimes that happens. And, uh, you know, we moved on, and, and sometimes that is the reality of investing. You know, you, you buy things. Again, we buy 20 to 30 stocks in a portfolio just for that reason. Uh, we thought our timing was going to work out. It just didn't with that stock. And, uh, you know, when, when that happens, you, you have to, you know, realize that that's part of the investing process. And, again, that's only one of many stocks in the portfolio. It is. It is, Bob. But, you know, it happens. And, again, you know, we, we want to be, I, I think, you have a balanced case when we are on the show talking to listeners that, uh, you know, we, we talked about a lot of the ones that we've, we've had as winners this year. And, and again, we want to make sure we, we realize, you know, people realize there can be risk. And um, that's why you don't buy just one stock. That's why I tell people always, if you ask me for one, I'd never give it to you. Um, I, I'd always give you a list of stocks and a portfolio because we believe that's the right way to invest. And uh, for some quick advice for people who are looking at, uh, at the investments they have in their deferred compensation accounts, 401Ks, 403Bs. Uh, uh, what kind of basic advice are you giving people about those uh, right now? Should they be changing the way they're investing or, or changing their investments around? Yeah, Bob, we think it's a little late to change. I mean, we're, we're, we have a lot of these questions coming in, and we tell them, like, listen, the, those plans are really set up for the long run. Uh, you want to continue to put money in, even in bad times, if you can. A lot of people think, well, maybe I should turn my contribution off. But you're buying at lower prices, and, and you know, you want to invest in those periods of time. Uh, you know, there, and, and you want to continue to have that long-term view. I mean, if you're in your 50s or, you know, you still got a long time to work, 30s, 40s, I mean, you, you, want, to, you want to look at those investments as the cornerstone to your retirement plan. So uh, we would say, you know, that taking hardship withdrawals or loans or changing your investments around too dramatically in those those types of plans isn't always the best idea. Sometimes, you know, based on case-by-case basis, it might make some sense, but that's where you really got to talk to your financial professional, make sure you have a good retirement plan, and that you're making those changes not in a vacuum. You're, you're making them, uh, you know, in, in correspondence with an overall plan, and you have those goals and objectives lined out. So uh, we just caution people not to be too aggressive with those types of plans and try to, you know, micromanage them. Um, they're really set up for that long term perspective. Should somebody uh, you know, stop contributing if their employee or their employer contributions have been uh, suspended? Um, you know, I, that's really a personal choice, but we would say no. Again, you, you know, you're making those contributions, you know, to, to 
for yourself, for, for your long-term retirement. So, yeah, it would be unfortunate if your employer runs into that period of time where they have to shut those contributions off. But sometimes that happens, you know, in economic hardship. But, uh, again, we would say you continue your plan um, and you continue to remember what that money is being invested for. Now, if you're putting money into cash, where are people putting their cash nowadays? Uh, we're good at places, park it, if you will. Well, Bob, cash is hard, but I mean, you know, we're trying to find at least, you know, 1% out there. There there are some options. We have some. I mean, if we can keep that money parked and we know it's stable. And again, cash is because you are going to need it. You know, if you need something in the next 12 to 18 months, it's good to have a good cash reserve. If if you don't need a lot of cash, now's also a time to think about investing. So I think it's a good time to review those cash levels. And finally, uh, quickly, it's hard to predict, but what do you think is going to be coming up next week? Bob, a lot of data still. And again, we're we're just going to work hard. We're going to look at more company reports, the economic data, and we're going to continue to do what we do every week. Once again, they do that every week for their clients, including financial planning, tax reviews. They can look at, uh, again, your 401k contributions, your RMD, stretch Roth, IRA conversions, transaction tax analyses. All this for their clients as much as they want, in addition to investing those uh, monies in individual stock portfolios. Again, Akron Wealth Advisors, part of R.W. Baird. Call them in Akron at 234-466-7476, 234-466-7476. Tell them you heard them on WNIR. Get Akron. Walt, have a great week. Thanks, Bob. During today's broadcast, the following individual stocks were mentioned and discussed. Activision Blizzard Inc., symbol ATVI. Apple Inc., symbol AAPL. Bristol Myers Squibb Company, symbol BMY. Brown Foreman Corporation, symbol BFB. Amazon.com, symbol AMZN. The Walt Disney Company, symbol DIS. Etsy Inc., symbol E-T-S-Y. Facebook Inc., symbol F-B. Fortinet Inc., symbol F-T-N-T. Gilead Sciences Inc., symbol G-I-L-D. General Motors, symbol G-M. Johnson & Johnson Company, symbol J&J. Match Group Inc., symbol M-T-C-H. Medtronic Inc., symbol M-D-T. Microsoft Corporation, symbol MSFT. Peloton Interactive Inc., symbol PTON. And Transdime Group Incorporated, symbol TDG. Please note that Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated makes a market in all of the securities of these companies discussed during today's broadcast.